So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another episode of Sower in the States. This is Chris, the MLS card guy. Today, I am joined by Nashi, my co-host. How are you today, Nashi? Doing well, doing well. Good to good to be with you, fine gentlemen, this Sunday and uh, talk some talk some MLS, talk some football, some soccer. Yep. So Some soccer. That's it. the correct way to say it on this podcast, as uh, Nellis does not know how to say. Um, but yeah, we are joined by a very special guest, someone that you guys may not have heard of. He is a little bit newer to the scene and kind of kind of breaking into the whole content creation thing. We are joined by Leonardo, who is at MLS Expert ITA. How are you today, Leonardo? Hi, guys. Uh, I'm very fine. And I really thank you for inviting me. And it's an honor for me to, to talk with you. You are like a polar star for MLS. So it's really a pleasure for me to talk with you tonight. Yeah, we try our best. We try our best to, uh, to shine some light on the league. And we appreciate that you're kind of bringing the league to the Italian market. You are obviously Italian um, and you're kind of a little bit newer to the, to the league. So tell us why you kind of got into, you know, so rare, why you got into MLS um, and how, you know, being Italian helps you kind of pick which MLS team that you want to follow. Yeah, actually it was by by chance because I um, when I decided to subscribe in Soraya, Europe Championship were, was in uh, already in uh, the midst of the season uh, and I was looking for some tournament that it was starting yet. So in the end uh, I saw MLS because um, it was a, a championship, a tournament that I already knew something about it. Uh, for also because um, for the a lot of players that uh, already played there and uh, in the end I decided okay let's try with the MLS and then uh, it, it was like a kind of, of passion for me I really uh, liked this league from uh, it was some, some kind of love the first sight for me and, and, and then I, I decided okay I want to be an expert of this league. I really love it. And so I, I start to study. Yeah, it's really cool. Like the, um, it's so funny how that random thing, you just joined at that time and then you fast forward six months later and you're on a podcast talking about the MLS um, just because you had to get involved in Sora. And that's kind of the, the beauty of the game. We've had a lot of people have that same experience from Europe uh, coming into the game, wanting to play and realizing Oh, I can't play in the summer. And a lot of people who are joining now are going to have the same kind of thing. You know, they get, they want to, they, they join up, but you want to start playing. It's MLS season is summertime. So that's, that's a really nice uh, way to get in there. Do you find like traditionally in Europe, Italian football has a very like pragmatic stance, like a reputation, I guess. You've got these brilliant yeah. defenders, legendary defenders. Yeah. They know the game, they're masters of it. And then when you watch the MLS as an Italian, having grown up with the Chiellinis, the Bonucci's, Cannavaro, what what do you find? Uh, obviously, I'm leading you down the path, but there's definitely different playing styles. How did you find that? 
Well, 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 well actually, it's totally different uh, for sure. And especially if you talk about um, tactics, especially if you talk about defense, as you said before, but uh, it's more spectacular, you know, is 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 uh, there's a lot of goals, uh, uh, so it's it's totally different, but it's on worse for sure. It's it's just different. It's another league. It's another continent. So it's okay that we we love for it. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Just pure entertainment, pure uh, pure attack. Yeah, it's a pure content. That's right. I wanted to ask you. So um, you told us before your name's Los Leos, and you might refer to your account as we. Do you want to kind of give the backstory on that? Because I think it's kind of interesting, um, and the story behind that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I say, uh, and maybe I, I will say <laughs> for a lot of time as, as a we, because it's my cousin and I that we start this together. My name is Leonardo. His name is Leo. And so we call Los Leos just for, just for this. So it's something that we do that we do together. Yeah, that's, that's really cool that you've got like a, one that camaraderie but my first thought there is and i've talked to like friends of mine about like who are joining about like i give them maybe my suggestions or like things and when things go right it's great you know we're all cheersy and having beers but when things go wrong sometimes there's some connection have you had any uh disagreement shall we say about either scouting or um when injuries yeah. has, there, has there been some uh some family tensions there. <laughs> yeah, really, really. Actually, every day for sure, because you know uh, we are mm, we are cousins, but we are two different people that mm, with two different uh, mind that mm, that not every every time things alike. So uh, we we argue sometimes for some player, but in the end we, we we find a way to to choose to do the best choice for everyone. Nice. So, what, so <laughs> I was going to say, what's, what's the worst decision your cousin's made so far? I want to, I want to put him on blast right now. <laughs> he, he is one, mm, Sullivan. He, he, he really want to buy it uh, at any any cost, and he, he paid too much. Who's that? Quinn Sullivan. Quinn Sullivan. Yeah. Oh, he's a nice player yeah. though. What do you think yeah. about Quinn Sullivan, Chris? He, he's got, he's a long term. Actually, I was looking at your gallery. We'll talk a little bit more about your gallery a little, a little later on, I think. But uh, yeah, I was looking at your gallery. He's like, oh, he's got Quinn Sullivan. You must know what he's talking about a little bit, at least. Um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about him. We'll talk about the USU 20 team, too, which he is on. So, um, yeah, I, I I mean, price-wise, he, you, you know, you may overpay a little bit. I do the same thing. I, like, get my mind focused on a guy. I'm like, I got to have him, and then I overpay. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just got to get your guy, you know? But yeah, it's but definitely one the for matter, the future. The, the matter is that uh, in his life is a like um, a trainer for young young people, younger player. It's under uh, under nineteen, and he, he really likes to to buy young player. But the matter is, young player are not ready <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to play. <laughs> That's the matter, yeah, that- and it's rare. You have to win now right now not tomorrow (laughs) i think you're really touching on something that we all kind of go through that there's such a buzz there's such a to have the dream of this young guy you pick up and then down the road he turns into a superstar and like you've got one of his early cards and with a scarcity of so rare that's so attractive but like as you get to play the game and especially most of us are on a restricted budget we only have certain amount of means that you've got them kind of decisions come up all the time, whether it's like 
I, I need someone who's going to perform and win me rewards now kind of thing. It's, I, I, it's not like traditional card collecting where you might prefer to pick up the young guy who's going to appreciate over the long term. It's like, I need performance now. And we have the same questions about with, do I buy like MLS players right now to win or do I buy Europe players maybe where the prices are a little better and we sit on and these are kind of the so rare specific decisions that you got to battle with in the in the MLS right and in and in Europe too so talking of the MLS Chris I know you uh I know you caught at least one of the games over the weekend you watched the Charlotte yeah. game did you have any uh any thoughts on that one yeah I did uh um Man, Charlotte is so much different at home. Like, even without Swiderski, like, they don't really have any options going forward. And they still just, like, find a way to win every every game. It's insane. They have something like six wins at home. And I'm, like, looking at their schedule. Like, do they have any other points anywhere else? Um, because I don't feel like they have that many points. But, yeah, I mean, Red Bulls I, – I actually wrote about this for Predictology this week. I, I said Red Bulls as a road favorite was a little bit dicey to me, especially missing Aaron Long. Um, and they still look gassed, which is crazy because they've had two weeks off, but they still, they had a lot of games in May and they play a very high pressure up tempo style and Red Bulls still look gassed after maybe the first 15 minutes or so, it was pretty much all Charlotte. New York couldn't run anymore. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be a trend that kind of continues, but yeah, that was worrying for New York for sure. Um, do you think, do you think, um, like that's going to be a theme. Like that's something to look out for. Like you just saying that with these teams that are like more known for the higher press, high energy, sort of mm -hmm. high intensity games compared to Europe, as me and Leonardo know, like where we've got big, deep squads, even in the mid table, right. lower teams. But is that really, if you're going into it, the strategy in the MLS, now that looks kind of dicey, especially something to look out for for the rest of the season, these higher press teams maybe start to tail off a little bit and we can maybe see that in the market too. Maybe you want to get rid of some of these New York guys, especially the ones who are the midfielders and such that were balling early. Frankie Amaya comes to mind. And now maybe yeah. the legs are going a bit, maybe the, the length of the season, the schedule, the travel starts to catch up with them more than a team that maybe like a Nashville where they've been sitting back a lot of games, absorbing it, a bit more of an Italian style of defending, you know, like, reading the game, picking it off. And um, yeah, what do you think, Leo? Do you think that's a trend that we might see where these higher energy teams in the MLS might get tired towards the end of the season and uh, just tail off there? Well, um, it, it depends. You know, it's totally different strategy. Uh, actually, I'm a bit scared uh, something that you about something that you said before because you said that maybe people want to get rid about um, Red Bull cars, especially in uh, in the mid. And uh, actually, I was thinking about uh, buying someone like uh, Morgan. And so <laughs> it, it, now I, I'm just scared. I don't know if I have to buy it or not. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta defend. Say. <laughs> I got to defend my guy, Lewis Morgan, a little bit because I did just buy him. Um, actually, it might have been a trade. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, I just picked him up onto the squad and I'm actually very excited about it because I think he is underpriced. He was so good a few years ago. And then last year in Miami, he was so bad that people think that he's not, you know, kind of an all-star type player, but he is a legitimate best 11 player in the MLS. And that system is so perfect for him. Um, he is going to rack up so many points and he has been racking up so many points this season. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't necessarily think that they're going to, you know, fall off the face of the earth like San Jose does. It seems like every single year under um, Matias Almeida, like for a few years, they were one of the best teams in the MLS for the first half of the season. And they wouldn't even make the playoffs. Like it was wild how much they would fall off. New York doesn't typically do that because New York is the other team that has always played this style of system and they're always pretty good in the regular season. So I don't know that they just fall off. My point was more short-term. It was more, you know, they played seven games in a month and with that style and with basically no backups. So it's, it's rough when you kind of get there and they were really excited for the, for the international break, but it just, I don't know if they got enough of an international break. They honestly probably needed the full like three week break as opposed to just the two week break. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, with a guy like Amaya who hasn't proven himself before and just had a good start to the season, I'm a lot more skeptical of him because he was always kind of considered a bust being the number one overall pick and then really not doing very much in Cincinnati being traded to New York, not really having a great first season in New York. And then he just kind of goes off for a few games at the beginning of the season. I'm a lot more skeptical of him than I am of a guy like Lewis Morgan, who's kind of proven to me that he is um, a legitimate, just talented player. And he's not even old. I think he's like 25 too. So yeah, definitely one that I was excited to be picking up. Cause I, for some reason in my mind, I thought his price was a lot higher than what it actually yeah. was. Yeah, when you watch Lewis Morgan, he's a, he's a brilliant player too. And he's I just look now and I was surprised too. There's a one on the market for under 0.2 for a rare card, which is really nice value. Um, I guess my question would be if you were like the GM of, say, DC and you were getting a new manager come in and one of them offered you, all right, we're going to really play higher press, higher tempo, but you already knew the restrictions of the league in terms of depth. Would you consider that into sort of, your overall landscape of the MLS now, because it's, it's something to something that you don't really see in other leagues where like you see it a little bit with fixture congestion, but you've got like Liverpool have played 60 odd games a season and they're pressing every game because they can, but that's just not yeah. really an option in the MLS because you haven't got the depth on the bench, like you say. So yeah, that's an interesting thing to think about and something I think to keep an eye on for the rest of the season with the Red Bulls. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's something to kind of keep an eye on. Um, but I mean, it's, it, there's positives and negatives, right? Like if you press, you're probably going to do better short term. You're probably going to have games that you, you know, win that you shouldn't win against teams you're, that are more talented than you. You can beat teams more talented than you. Um, and also, you know, there's always a consideration of, uh, well, are we, are we, really trying to win an MLS cup, which I don't think pressing would be the, the way to do that generally. Um, are we really trying to win an MLS cup or are we trying to be entertaining and sell tickets and make money, which is a lot of teams. That's what they're trying to do is trying to make the most money. And if you are a pressing team, that's scoring a ton of goals. And that, you know, like we talked about before, MLS is a spectacular league as, as Leah said before, um, yeah, I mean, if you're if that's your goal, then maybe pressing is the way to go because you'll be a lot more entertaining that way. That's for sure. Talking of entertaining or not, did you guys uh, catch the Nashville San Jose yesterday? Did you you see any of them highlights, Leonardo? Yeah, I, actually, I didn't watch the match. Uh, I just watched the highlights. And but uh, as I told you before, when we were just we were just talking, uh, yeah. 
what I say is that if the match is uh, is going to be uh, played another 10 or 15 times, is Nashville is going to win. Uh, I, I don't know how Nashville didn't get the match. Really, it was it was really strange. A lot of shoots, a lot of saves from the, from the goalkeeper. So really, it, it, it was uh, for sure an entertainment, but it was a, a nice, really nice to, to watch. Yeah, Chris, do you think that's a concern for Nashville is their firepower? Obviously, they've got Haney Mukhtar, Sapong does what he does, Liao's out right now. Do you think if you're a Nashville fan, that's something you start to get worried about where you sort of have control of the game, but you... The extra two points that a good attacking player might pick up by nicking a goal or two in a game like this, is that going to add up over the season? Yes, it will. Um, but that's how Nashville set up. That's what they're built to do is to defend and, and be very solid at the back and not give up goals. And, you know, Hani Mukhtar is going to come up with moments of magic at times and Sapong is going to do some things. Would they like to have, you know, a great you know, four attackers up top to score a ton of goals. I'm sure they would, but when it really comes down to it, when you're talking about this league is not set up like other leagues in Syria, uh, you play the entire season and whoever has the most points wins in MLS, you play the entire season and the top half moves on to the playoffs. And that's what really matters here. That's what Nashville set up to do is to make a run in the playoffs. When you're not giving up any goals, the only way to lose in the playoffs is on a penalty shootout, which they've lost two years in a row on a penalty shootout, I believe. Um, so, I mean, you kind of have to get a little unlucky to, to lose. Um, that's more what they are focused on. And I don't think that they can't score goals. Um, I mean, certainly they've tried to bring in top talent too. Like you look at Ake Loba, they paid a ton of money for Ake Loba. It just hasn't worked out, you know? They, uh, they tried to bring him in from uh, one of the teams in Mexico. I forget which team he came from, but he can't break into the starting lineup. And, you know, that's yeah. sometimes how it goes. You, you Once you spend that kind of money and you have that kind of contract on the books, you don't get to, you know, you don't get to go and buy another one the next year. Like, you know, if Liverpool goes and buys somebody, or I guess Liverpool is a bad example because they never do this, but if Liverpool goes and buys somebody and it doesn't work out the next year, they just go and buy somebody else, you know, because they've got money to burn. There's no problem there. Should have used, used Manchester United as an example there. But yeah, like <laughs> the, the, the transfers are so huge and so impactful. And if you make a big blunder, like it looks like they've done with Loba, it yeah. can, can have a ripple effect for a while. Talking of transfers, we have an Italian with us today and we've got some big, Italian players in the MLS over the years, some come in and some speculation. Um, what are your thoughts? We've got Chiellini and Insigne on the way, Leonardo. There's been some other rumours around the league. What is your general look at the uh, landscape and how excited are you to have some Italian legends, some stars in the in the MLS now? Yeah, really, I'm kind of curious. We'll see what, what they're going to do. Uh, Actually, I was mm, curious to watch uh, how Pirlo, maybe you remember Andrea Pirlo, the maestro in maestro, how played in, uh, in MLS. Uh, at time, we didn't, mm, there wasn't a way to watch a lot of match here, here, here in Italy. Now, it's, now actually, it's uh, quite easier. Mm, 
the only thing is that you uh, you don't have to sleep at night because here is uh, is night when uh, in MLS uh, are playing. But if you want to watch, there's a way. When Pirlo was in MLS, wasn't like that. And uh, talking about Pellini and uh, Insigne uh, are two players that really can make the difference in, in their role. They're really really great player. Yeah, so I'm gonna you... put you. I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. Do you think? So the the kind of heart of this question is how well is Insigne gonna do? Is he going to be the best transfer in MLS history, or is he just going to be a solid player? Insigne. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, if it, it, it could be the best one, actually, I don't know. What I can tell you, it's a, a great player, a really good technique. Uh, it's a Europe champions. He won with the, the Italian few months ago. Mm, but actually, in my personal opinion, it's not, it's not a champion. It's a talent guy, but it's not a champion. Uh, for example, if you compare with uh, with Pirlo, um, for me they are playing two different sports. Really, really, it's, it's, it's different. But for sure, Insigne is a it's a great player. I don't know if it could be the best one, the best ever. Actually, I don't know. With um with Sore in mind, would you take? Um, do you think Insigne will outperform? Maybe he was saying he's he like he's if you're winning European championships, he was a protagonist in the team. You can give him a world class tag, but then there's a there is a jump to the Andrea Pirlo's of the world. I understand what you're saying there, but almost if I'm looking at it from so rare now, that position playing an attacking position in the MLS with the technical ability he has, the set piece ability, I'm really. I've really sort of put my balls on the table and said, I think Insigne is going to just put up great scores for so rare specifically. And I'm pretty excited for him to get out there. Yeah, for, for sure. If, if you're looking in a perspective, yeah, for sure. It will be a, a great player. Yeah, I totally agree in that. Yeah. Let me ask you this one. If, you, if, if, if I were to give you the choice between the two, would you rather have Insigne or Carlos Hill for the next three years? Insignia. Interesting. That's that's at, at, yeah. at, at the same price, or like, do you think, you know, if you could clone an Insignia midfield card, because you can get two Insignias for sort of the price of Carlos Hill. So maybe if you could get like, however Insignia averages, get the same clone as a mid as a different guy, is is he worth half the price of Hill? I think he, I think he's gonna outperform. I think he was trading around an ETH, which is. I think it's some good value there, but there's so much unknown, like we're saying. That's why we're talking about it. But uh, like I said, I'm. I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have an impact in in the league. I know you're more skeptical, Chris. What are your What are your concerns? I mean, Heal has been here for a number of years, so he kind of knows the league. He knows the travel, um, and also Heal puts up just absurd numbers, just absurd like AA scores for days. And then he also assists or scores just about every game. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's more value in a forward than there is in a midfielder. So Insigne would have more value there. But is Insigne going to put up, you know, an average of 70 plus per game? I, I, I don't, it's going to be tough. I, yeah, be I don't tough. think that. 
I'm not going to back anyone against Carlos Hill because he's just a bit of a joke uh, on the game. And uh, But at the same time, do you think, like, I guess the question should more be from an investment standpoint, do you think there is a world where he can match what Carlos Hill's doing? And I do. It might not be, I don't think it's guaranteed that he's, it's, I mean, any player to do, he's literally the best player on the on the platform. But I think there is a world where Insigne can get close to that. And um, he's obviously a bigger name. He's got the contract five years and he's a forward card. So, yeah, I, I don't think he would be a, a bad pickup at all. Um, let, but, let, let me ask Leonardo something. With his role, with Insigne's role, because um, Carlos Hill is like an, a center attacking mid. He's always got the ball at his feet. He's always, you know, picking out passes, that kind of thing. My view, and I, I've not watched a ton of Serie A, but my view has always been Insigne is more of that speedy winger type of player that can kind of get on the end of stuff and kind of finish more, and he's not as creative in a force. Um, certainly he's got technical ability and he can create, but my view is always more that Hill is more of an attacking mid, whereas Insigne is more of a left wing is that accurate? Is that not accurate? And would that stay the same when he gets to Toronto or would that change, you think? You, you're totally right. You're definitely right. And he, he played more in the side as a, as a, as a winger. Yeah, really. It's, there is a lot, it's a technical player, but he, he also does a lot of goals in the end of the season. My only concern is about Bradley in Toronto. In Toronto, what is going to do? Is going to change the system or will remain the same? Also, because if I think about Toronto, I don't, I don't think just about Insigne. I think about uh, Schaffersburg, Ruti, Nelson. Uh, actually, have, all, all of them are talented players with the, the they play in the, in, almost in the same position. And so yeah. I think what, what is going to do Bradley with, all, with the, all of those players? And I don't know. I, I really want to see what he's going to do, really. Yeah, well, we, have, we, have the, we have the whole Bob Bradley with Carlos Vela thing from LAFC as kind of, I guess, a roadmap or an example of what is possible. And certainly, well, let me ask you, do you think Insigne is, is I don't want to say more talented, but do you think Insigne is a better fit for that system than... than um, than Vela was. Uh, yes, because I think that Insigne it can fit better also because he can play in a different role. In the last years, he played in uh, in three as, as a winger in, in, uh, in the attack position, but also he can play with uh, just another attacking. So um, he can fit very well. Yeah, I mean, he, like you said about the different styles of play but he really is such a when i watch lorenzo insigne there's not many players you can say are similar to him maybe like a i almost look at him more of a jabala than like a speedy winger because when he has the ball at his feet he's making through passes from deep he's keeping the ball he's really slows the game down knows when to speed it up he's, he's a really clever unique kind of player that you don't see in a game too much anymore. And where I have started seeing them kind of players is since I've been following the MLS, these number 10s that we talked about last week. So that's why I think with his game and from what I see of it, I'm really bullish on 
Insigne. But yeah, we can we can move on. I, I had a question. Um I saw earlier in the sort of transfer window, there's a lot of rumors now going on in the MLS. Do you think there's any more Italians that are going to be coming over? We spoke about Crescito, Mertens is going to be a free agent. They're guys that have been linked with the MLS in the past. Is there anything that you've heard over there that um about transfers? Yeah, I heard that uh Crescito, there's also was followed by Toronto, and and actually Toronto was looking for a defender player, and there was um, they were looking for um, Crescito or Masiello. That is uh, another player, another defender. Um, but rumors says that maybe uh, it's more certain Crescito than Masiello, and Crescito is a is a player that really Toronto needed for me, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, they definitely very, very have, well in MLS. Yeah, and they have, they have a lot more problems at the back than they do in the front anyway. Like they have some yeah. talented attacking pieces, but not really as much talent in the back. I mean, they have Salcedo, but he's just not, he's, he's kind of just himself back there. He's, he can't do everything by himself. Um, I had one yeah, well, more. I had one more question on the sort of Italian connection. Was that the, um, you know, you see teams like Spurs in the Premier League, or um, you know, you have it with Liverpool with Minamino. When a star player from certain countries joins a new league or a new team, it can draw attention from you know, it can grow a whole fan base off the back of one player in the home country. Do you think that, um, like, Insigne coming to the MLS, Chiellini, who's definitely a legend in Italian football, will? What do you, do you think that will make an impact within Italy and draw more eyes to the MLS and they'll start being more fans, even outside of a Sores perspective, um, because of the movement of two kind of very big names in Italy still? Yes, for sure, especially for for, uh, for the media. The media will cover more MLS, uh, especially during those months. Uh, a lot of newspaper, media, broadcaster talk a lot about MLS. So I think that it would be in this in this point of view, it would be a really good move for MLS having player like Insigne or Chiellini. Yeah. Do you think the um, Do you think the sentiment in Italy, is there a bit of a resentment from like someone like Insigne who still has good years to give? He's a legend in, in Naples. You know, is there like a bit of resentment that he's sort of going over to the States and it's a bit dismissed? Like what's the general feeling from fans in Italy about players kind of still in the national team set up, making a move like that, where maybe it's they see it as money oriented or whatever. Is there a bit of a kind of pushback for the players? Yeah, the, the the first thing that people think is he did for money, yes, for sure. But uh, actually, uh, if I have to see the world picture, it's not like that. For sure, money is matter, money matter. It it was something that really uh, was really important for him for the choice, but wasn't everything. Uh, Insigne played in Naples. Naples is totally different city uh, from everyone in Italy. There is something like uh, it's something like a state. is is not just a city, you know. And if you play in Naples, all people loves you. You are kind of god, 
And if you play there, you cannot play every, everywhere in Italy if you are growth there, if you are a, a, a man of the people. And actually, if, I, if you want my opinion, it was the, the good choice for him. Also for the, for the career, but also for the, for the move that he did. Because in now he landed in a totally different culture and it's really good also, also for him. Yeah, that's interesting. There's in clubs like like we keep talking about Liverpool, but like that reminded me of Steven Gerrard. And I heard him on an interview recently saying that he could have still probably played a lower team in the Premier League or like a different team in England. But part of his decision making was that he couldn't play for another British club outside of Liverpool because it's the same thing, the, the sort of passion, the whole city. It's a family, you know, it's in your blood. And at that point, I get what you're saying now about Insigne. If if the fans are like, well, his choices were either to leave and go and play for a different Serie A team, he's almost taking the higher road by saying, no, I'm going to, if I'm going to carry on playing and it's not for Napoli, I'm going to go to the state. So, yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't sort of realise that because I thought maybe, you know, you get a lot of footballers get criticism for following the money, but that's, that's kind of nice that um, he's got the support there. I want to actually ask about another guy because your team is Juventus, right? So you yeah. have definitely been following Gonzalo Higuain, I would assume. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Uh, is he, you know, is it like a motivation thing where he just doesn't care enough? Or or why is he, you know, not in the team or, or not kind of dominating the way that a lot of people thought he might? Yeah. So Higuain has to do a choice if he wants still to be a football soccer player or not. Because actually, uh, it's just a matter of mind. It's a, it's a mental thing that is not playing very well. If I had to think about Iguain, he's one of the best players in the world. It was a really great attacking. It, it, it was uh, one of the best players that I ever seen. If you think the best Iguain when he was in shape, uh, when he was the, the perfect size, the perfect height. So um, he, he, it was really, really a good player. Now it's not a, a football player. So I guess that, uh, that there was something about um, his mind during the COVID period. He was kind of depression. There's a lot of issues I heard. So maybe uh, he thought that, uh, and, and he's thinking actually, that maybe soccer is not his life anymore. Yeah, how good do you think he could have been if he was on the other side of the coin there? Because I had the same dilemma. You almost see it like Douglas Costa is the same issue. Just unbelievable talent, same as Higuain. A couple of years ago was one of the top players at the highest level in the world. Then something in their mind switches and they just, it's gone. They don't care. You know, they still have the talent. And you're kind of, when players are making these big moves to the MLS, that's kind of something you have to weigh up from a so rare standpoint because their potential is really high. But if they don't apply themselves, then, and um, like I watch a lot of Chicago and the thing I can say about Shakiri is he's not in that camp. He's still playing every game like he wants to win. He's still trying his best. He's just been in a poor team so far. Whereas I watched Douglas Costa up to now and it's, going a little bit down the Higuain route. He's had a couple of injuries. Maybe he still has time to recover it, but 
yeah, that's a really interesting thing when these star guys come to the MLS, like what is their purpose of being here? You know, are they trying to extend their career? Are they just trying to get some easy money before they, you know, go off to retirement? So, yeah, that's uh, that's some good insight there. Yeah, actually, it's just a matter of motivation. It doesn't, for me, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if you're playing in MLS, Serie A, Premier League, or whatever. If you have the motivation to play, you're going to be a good player. Otherwise, it's better that you retire and, and that you go or do something else. I mean, you you you, you, don't, you don't lack money. You you don't need one year more, two year more of contract in MLS. You really have enough money to, to live for 10,000 life. So uh, just do something else. It's not yeah. something good for your for your image, you know? in doing what what Higuain is doing absolutely yeah yeah and I like you yeah you just couldn't do that in Italy like he couldn't have gone to another Italian club with the attitude he has now because he'd be vilified you know by the people so maybe maybe yeah he needs to take a look at himself but you don't know talking of money talking of MLS money we had an interesting thing come up in the Twitter streets and I know Chris you were diving in there and that was our boy MLS legend Stefan Fryer got a beautiful player edition signature card and he can't play it in the league. He got it. He posted it up on his Twitter and said, anyone wants to bid or auction or whatever, my, this card's for sale. I got it on so rare. It's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Fill your boots. Then I saw some pushback from some people. I don't know exactly who it was. I just kind of got the sentiment that people were not happy with this move. Personally, I can't understand why. And I guess we can get into that. I think I don't think there's any legs to criticize so rare or Stefan Fry here. I think it's good all round. What were your kind of thoughts? Because I saw you in there in the streets, uh, getting your hands dirty. So what do you think? Yeah, of that? we got tangled up a little bit and and um yeah, we were having a having a little discussion about Stefan Fry. Um and I mean I can kind of see what the the opposite side is, right? Like it he's a professional footballer. He doesn't really need to sell this car just that just for money's sake. Um, I mean, yeah, but like, to me, it's, it's one of those things. It's kind of like a perk of the job, you know, like you are, you are giving your everything to be the best player that you can possibly be. And that is what's giving value to this card. Why would you not, you know, sell it or, or do something and, and, Actually, I didn't even think of this, but you brought it up. He can't even play it anymore. Like he plays in the MLS. So with the new terms and conditions, he can't even like use it, you know? So even if he wanted to go and build a team and use it, he can't. Um, so why would you not, why would you not sell it? That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me from, from the server side of things. I mean, it's great marketing, right? Stefan Fry is using his own personal Twitter account to pump the silver brand and they didn't pay him anything. They just minted a card for him. You know, um, so I mean, I, from the server was, side of things, I think it's great. Where was the sort of criticism directed? Was it at Soria saying, oh, they shouldn't give out these cards to these players because X, Y, Z? Or was it, oh, shame on you, Stefan Fryer, for trying yeah. to make a bit of money from this thing that's given to you? Which, I mean, where, where was the thing? I don't think either are valid. I think there's no shame. Like, there's this weird thing that goes on in, in the world and in so rare specifically and i actually spoke to john about this when we met in orlando is that like there's this weird idea where like if people are trying to make money 
there's almost like an, an envy about it. There's a, a weird idea as if, as if the rest of our lives, we don't spend trying to make money. A lot of us are playing so rare to make profit, but like mm -hmm. as soon as somebody does it, who maybe is being more successful, there's this weird sort of resentment or like this moral high ground that, Oh, you shouldn't be doing things to make money. I don't, see why Stefan Fry, even if he's got making good money in the MLS, if he's getting yeah. paid to market this thing, good luck to him. He's got kids, he's got right. a mortgage, like good luck to him. And yeah, I don't see really either side of it have um have validity, but I was just curious to sort of where was that sort of channeled at? Was it at so rare saying they should stop doing this? Because obviously it's great marketing. Um yeah. no. It was it was at Stefan Fry specifically. Um and just I mean, the kind of sentiment was it just it doesn't like it, it's not a good look for him to uh, to kind of, I guess, just kind of money grab is is the idea. But, yeah, I mean, you're you're 100 percent right. Like he's putting in all this work to be a professional player. Like, why would he turn down what is essentially free money? Like it's it's not like I mean, I, I don't see how he has a moral responsibility to not make money off of him being a very good soccer player i don't i don't know i mean it's it's just it doesn't seem like a thing that you know is a problem for me i don't know it just doesn't ring that bell of like oh this isn't right you know i don't know maybe what are your thoughts leonardo do you have any problems with players getting these cards or selling these cards or or, or anything with the situation actually i don't understand the debate that in that are around it it's people have to think so rare as a company so company is something that mm, the company that give gift to people uh, it's kind of a sponsorship it's kind of whatever and uh, for the company it's advertising it's marketing and for and then for the stefan frey in this in this case it's something that belongs to him so he won't he can do whatever he wants I don't see nothing more, nothing bad actually. For me, it's, it's something normal. I, yeah, I, it, I don't see nothing, nothing bad at all. Yeah, absolutely. And it's smart because you give Stefan Fryer this this card, and he, he has the ability to sell it and make some money, right? That costs so rare nothing, right? But maybe Stefan Fryer has his teammates on on thing. They say, "Oh, what's so rare? Oh, you just made five k or whatever." You know, maybe the maybe the top guys in the team don't care about 5k, but there's players in the MLS who make 100, 150 grand a year. Five grand is still a lot of money to Actually, them. The minimum is so, 82k, I think. Yeah, exactly. 82. So maybe they look at it and say, "Oh, what's that so rare? Maybe I can get a player's card." And then that's more marketing. It's free marketing for so rare. And at the end of the day, free marketing for so rare is good for all of us, anyone playing the game. So yeah, there's not too much to be said there. It was just. Um, I saw you were in the mix there, Chris, and yeah, I think it's kind of a ridiculous idea. But um, so I there's, to... there's one other there's one other kind of distinction here, and and one person said that like if you're going to sell it, then you should just list it on SoRare and you shouldn't promote it. Is there an issue between like is is that different for you? Where you know if you want to sell it and make their money, fine, whatever, you can do what you want with your own card but don't like promote it on your own social media channels to try to, you know, drum up interest. Is it, is that kind of like pumpy for you, I guess? Is there an issue with the promotion of it itself? No, for me, no. It's what's the difference. It's like, you know, if, um, if you're selling anything, you want to 
get the biggest audience, his fans are going to be the main market in his eyes. You know, he might not understand fully what Sorare is. He's got a piece of memorabilia from himself. Who's going to want to buy it? His fans, if he's going to sell it, you might as well give your fans the opportunity to so either get involved in Sorare because of this or just to have the collectible. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. There's a non-issue, but it has been brought up a few times the way that players have dealt with their player cards. And I guess, yeah, now it's come over to the MLS, so it's it's interesting. But like I said, I'd like to see a lot more player cards. I want to see a lot more players on the game. It's such a cool and unique yeah. aspect to so rare that you have these world stars, MLS stars interacting with a game with a platform. And uh, yeah, I don't think we should do anything or have any sentiment that that sort of inhibits that or turns that away. So yeah, I mean, it's just an interesting one. I don't get involved in the in the drama myself, but I saw you champion the calls, and I think I think you're on the right side of it, there, mate. I don't know. I was just, I I don't really, uh, you know, I don't have a huge strong opinion either way. I just was kind of giving my own opinion. I don't, I don't. You know, it's not like I think anyone else is, you know, super wrong for taking the side that they're taking. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to to figure out where where everybody's at with that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of an interesting one. Let's talk about really quickly. Um, let's talk about the USU 20 team because this is actually something that is going to take a few guys out out of commission here for a little while um, while they go and play this tournament. Um, the USU 20, their first game is on Saturday, June 18th. That's next week. Um, and if you didn't see the roster came out, there's quite a few MLS guys um, in it. Um, so I don't know. Should we just go through the roster and, and kind of say who's who's coming out? Because I think this is like a three or four week tournament where they're going to be away from their clubs for quite a while. Yeah, that's a bit of a, that's a, bit of a sleeper. I, I didn't even know that uh, it was overlapping. So maybe there's some guys I have that. Uh, playing, so yeah. yeah, I think we should do a bit, a bit of a PSA on DMP. Yeah. There you go. Oh. So goalkeepers are Chris Brady and Antonio Carrera from the Dallas Academy. Um, so neither one of those guys start. Um, Noah Allen from Inter Miami is in this. Brendan Craig, Mauricio Cuevas, Marcus Fricanius, Michael Holiday, and Jalen Neal are the defenders. The midfielders are where you start to get a few guys that can kind of contribute. You got Paxton Aronson. Alejandro Alvarado Jr. Caden Clark is on this team. Daniel Edelman for the Red Bulls. Diego Luna, who's a new Rail Salt Lake player from USL. Um, Jack McGlynn from Philadelphia Union is on this team. Rokas Pukstas. Nico Tsikaris. Obed Vargas is a big one for Seattle. He won't be there. So that kind of opens the door a little bit for, you know, Danny Leva and who's the other midfielder that they had that's really young that Vargas won't be there. And, and um, obviously Chao Paulo's already out. And then the forwards, the guy that we, uh, we kind of talked a little off air about that. He's kind of coming on. Cade Cowell is on this team. Quinn Sullivan is on this team. And then Tyler Wolf from Atlanta United are also on this team. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent on this team for sure. Um, I know their first game starts on Saturday. Um, and then I know they're going to play, the next week they have games scheduled and then they'll play, I think a semifinal and a final maybe. So it'll probably be like two or three weeks that are, they're away from their club is what I'm guessing. Um, I'm just realizing Leonardo's gallery is going to be absolutely decimated by this. You got, <laughs> you got a few of them guys yeah. here, haven't you, Leonardo? Do you, what was your, um, you got a lot of young, 
MLS talent there. What was your kind of thought process behind that? Yeah, if you just seen it for the the first moment, yeah, maybe it's something not good. But uh, actually, when I when I saw the roster, I was really really happy because I saw that I have actually two players that they can be the the stars of the futures of uh, of USA. So really, I really was happy. Uh, I was just um, I can surprised about Vargas. Because uh, also, I thought, also I thought about Danny Leiva that maybe could could take the place, but um, there, there's a lot of and one of uh, one other player that I, I really like is Paxson Aronson. Really, for me, it's a, it's a great player. It would be a good one in the future for me. Yeah, and I think the the two Cades, right, Cade Cowell and Caden Clark also yeah. are, are obviously very big, both on the platform and in the whole U.S. youth setup. Um, so those guys are big. Noah Allen's been coming on, hasn't he? Hasn't he been playing for Miami a bit? I'm going to look him up real quick. Um, but I feel like when we talked to Alex that she mentioned Noah Allen. And he hasn't played in a while. He's been on the bench a few times. So maybe a kid trying to kind of break onto that team. Um, but it's a really important tournament for – the USU 20s, um, they qualify for the World Cup next summer if they get to the final, I think it is. Then they qualify for the Tokyo Olympics, which we have not qualified for the Olympics in quite a while, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this is actually a, a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, just something to keep an eye on. And I, I know talking about your gallery as well, Leo, you have um, a few guys that are that are big prospects, but you also didn't pay a ton for them. You kind of got them on down prices. Like Cade Cowell had that drop and I picked one up and actually I've already sold him. I've already taken my profit on him. Um, but you picked him up at a nice price there. You got Quinn Sullivan um, when he was a little bit lower. You picked up Robbie Robinson pretty low. Um, is that kind of where you, where you focus on trying to get good young players that are maybe in a dip or maybe not playing or, or is, is that something that you consciously do or is that just kind of how it's worked out for you? Um, we, we have, we are like, uh, like Gemini. We are, we are like, like twins, you know, we have two different um, strategy. The one is, uh, is looking in the future and one more in the moment. Uh, people like Leiva, Sullivan, Cowell, are looking at the future and maybe our player that mm, will will keep for a while and we'll see what we do in few in few times. Uh, and then the other strategy is the the one that is look at the moment. We have mm, player that can uh, can do a lot of points right now that are starter. So it, mm, yes, they are part of the strategy, but mm, we don't have just one strategy, but we have two. Yeah, you have like Cal, you have uh, Francisco Calvo, you have Chris, Christian Roldan, Musa Dembele. Um, so you have yeah, a few yeah. guys who can really put up some points. Um, what about Alex Balno? You have him on your on your squad. I see you also got him at a really good price. Um, are you, I don't know, fearful of this transfer window with Alex Balno? Do you think he's going to keep that Toronto job? Well, uh, actually, until last week, I also had Westenberg, the, the second one, that maybe it will be the first one, <laughs> who, who knows. Um, I, I kind of scared, actually not, because 
mm, I don't think that Bono is really bad at all. I mean, maybe it's not the, the, the perfect goalkeeper in the world, of course. It's not the first, it's not the second, it's not the third, but it's not bad. Uh, I think that mm, he plays in a, in a team that is not that good in, uh, in the defense. He get a, a lot of uh, a lot of shoots. Mm, I was looking uh, some some statistics, and I heard that, and I, um, I read that is um, the one that did most saves in MLS. So yeah. maybe it depends also uh, for sure. Um, it depends from the fact that you have uh, that your team is not so strong. But if you are not good, uh, you don't save that much. So yeah. actually, I, I I don't think that he's a bad at all, and for sure, maybe a bit scared because I don't know what what's happening in brother's mind. Yeah, I think like goalkeepers in general in in worldwide football are always kind of judged on mistakes or perceived mistakes. But like you bring up a good point is that like when and like you seldom get the plaudits you should for making what seems like a standard save. But then if you if you let one in or the near post or something, you'll get the um, criticism. And what you say there is is true too, where like if the goalkeeper's in a team where they are under pressure a lot, they're taking on a lot of shots, a lot of heat, it just increases the chances of that one mistake coming up every two or three weeks. And that really stands out in the minds of fans. I haven't seen a lot of Toronto games, but I've seen some of the things that people have been critical about Bono about but maybe that is just that bias where he's you know they're just getting 10 15 shots against him every game it just increases the chances of of a mistake happening and then everybody really weighs a lot of weight on that mistake so that's interesting to hear from someone who's watched more of the of their games that maybe it's not it's not all as bad as kind of the narrative is being spoken about so far so yeah, yeah, I think good. I think the same kind of thing applied to Alec Khan at the start of the season too, because Cincinnati was just shipping goals for fun, and that was a, a lot of that was not his fault. And obviously, he had kind of broken out of that, I guess, a little bit with the Atlanta game, and then immediately gets hurt. So it's like, you know, we don't, we still don't really know how great he's going to be. But I have so many people, um, and maybe this is a thing. Maybe this is something where. People are just trying to like manifest what they want to happen. But so many people have asked me if Salentano can keep the job. And it's like, yeah, you'd love to have another U23 goalkeeper kind of keep that thing. But I mean, the plan is always, you know, con first and then Salentano later. Um, so I don't know if that's, if that's something where, you know, we're kind of as, as holders of, of um, as, as holders of guys like Bono, are we kind of manifesting that we want him to stay or is it um, as someone who wants to try to get a goalkeeper, which is the majority of people trying to get a goalkeeper? Um, are they going to buy someone who's going to take Bono's spot and I can go and pick him up before anybody else kind of figures it out, you know? Um, so I think a lot of times we also have to kind of keep in, keep in mind what we want to happen is doesn't necessarily happen. Like it just because we want it to happen doesn't mean it will happen. Um, so yeah, just when you're talking about, you know, people taking other people's jobs and, you know, transfers in and stuff, try as hard as you can to look objectively at it and then, and say, you know, does it make any sense for this kid that they just picked in the draft who started 
a, you know, three, four, five games to take Alec Khan, who they just was their very first signing when the new GM came in. They went and got Alec Khan, who's 30 years old. Does it make any sense that he would take his job um, based on four or five games, you know? So that's just something to, to kind of keep in mind as well as we um, kind of go through here. And I guess that kind of leads us into kind of our last thing that we can wrap up with is just kind of the state of the MLS market. And I kind of want to know what you kind of have to think about this, Nashi, because you're obviously in a, in a little bit different market. Maybe you're in the, um, you kind of play the game more to win and win rewards, whereas I kind of play more to trade. Um, do you think that now would, is a good time to buy MLS? Do you think, you know, with everything being over the summer and nothing else really is going to, once Nations League is over, there won't really be any other players on the platform. Is this like a good time to, to pick up a team or do you think it's already too late and the prices are too high and it's just going to come crashing down? Well, I think there's, again, it's the what we were talking about with the different strategies. It really comes down to what your strategy is. For me, when I've been talking to you about some of these higher-end cards, which are there to win, I'm looking at a their return over two or three seasons. So I'm not too worried about the short term. Like I expect maybe maybe MLS comes back a couple of weeks in, prices go up because there's a bit of FOMO. Isn't people want to play? It's back in. It's still even though it's only six or eight weeks. That's a long time in the so real world. That maybe there'll be a little bit of a steady thing. But then obviously as Europe comes back, MLS prices are going to go down. So if you're a trader, you might just take it now. I don't think it's going to get too much higher other than individuals who hit crazy form or something. But if you're a if you're in it sort of for a long term and trying to win, that's where I've been thinking about building teams around cards like Insigne. And although I think Shakiri's not going to do great this season, I think if they can figure it out in Chicago. His attitude, the, his player profile, like we said before, and his suitability for the MLS in terms of his set pieces, penalty kicks, everything. I think that um, them kind of players are going to serve me well, even when the, they can compete in a D3 when the European season comes back. So if you're, just to sort of summarize, I think there's opportunities now where you can pick up these potentially elite cards or for prices that aren't European elite card prices and if you're going to be competing to win european cards with them over the next two three four seasons then i think they could be a good investment if you're trying to flip i wouldn't bank on the whole market getting too much higher now i think as the season approaches going to get um tighter but i think that if you're playing global all-star d d4 through d1 pretty much the MLS has some really good value if you're trying to win because it has them number 10s who can get 100s. You know, it's got a couple of players here and there. We talk about Carlos Hill. He's still a fraction of the price of like a Kimmich, but he's a better card. So if you're playing D3 to win rewards, just makes a lot of sense, you know? It's not as glamorous maybe, but it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, it depends on your strategy, but I think the market will hold up for a bit. I'll be interested to see if there's a little bump when sort of the FOMO kicks in. But then obviously I think it'll tail off, which is only a problem if you're trading, but if you've if you've got the long-term approach like I do, then um not really too worried about it. Is there a strategy, Leonardo, that you've come up with? I know you've got 
the long-term strategy. So I assume you're not selling some of those young guys for a while, but I see you've got a couple of sort of older MLS players, a couple of Europeans sprinkled in there. Have you got a strategy in the next few months um, in return in regards to your server account? Yeah, actually I'm trying to, to buy in Europe. So my strategy is to, to try to, to make a team concerning Europe, maybe Champions Europe. But actually, I don't give up the idea to improve my team in MLS. Uh, there's, we are in the mid of the, of the season, or more or less, and there's a lot of matches that, that are missing. So I think that maybe one or two cards of MLS I'm going to buy in the, in, the, in the next few days. So. That's a, my strategy is a short and, and mid-term. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of crazy, but we are not not even halfway through the MLS season yet. There's still half of a season to play. Most teams have played 14 games. I believe they play 34 total. Could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, we're barely like a third of the way through. Um, so there's still a ton of utility to find in MLS. Um, you talk about trying to improve your MLS team. I know, and we've talked about Lewis Morgan as potentially one of those candidates. Is there anyone else that you have your eye on that uh, that you think maybe is, is kind of going to break out over the second half of this season? Yeah, actually, there are players that maybe didn't do this bad uh, up to now. I wouldn't, if, especially if you think about Mora, Felipe Mora from um, Portland. I, I, I have in my gallery actually is one of the first that, that I bought and but he, he didn't play for the for his injuries and if he returns I guess that he could be a very valuable player for a for a Sorrel but for Portland too and also Osorio Leal uh, are people that maybe in the, at the moment are really low if you consider the price. And, and maybe a player that that you can buy, and that they can do a lot if you think about their potential. Yeah, you talk about Osorio and Leal too. Potentially, both yeah. of them have World Cup um, utility as well, so they may even get a few more yeah. games. Um, yeah, that's those are definitely interesting. And I've seen actually, I have an Osorio, and I've seen the price kind of dropping. And yeah, I mean, I think there are some. If you're if you kind of know where to look, there are a few decent little buys in MLS right now. Um, anyone that you have kind of your eye on Nashi, as far as more like a high-end type guy? I know we've been talking about Insignia quite a bit. Is there um, is there anyone else that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, I, I have an Insignia, and I guess like my decision was whether to I'm going to sell him at any point rather than if I'm going to buy one. Um, I'm thinking of building out a D3 uh, team and have my D3 primarily try and build an elite team with MLS guys. Um, I was thinking about Pozuelo. He had a super rare up yesterday. I didn't go for it. I think the price was a little high, and I kind of want to see how he integrates once Insigne is there. And I'd like to know that he's going to sign on for another few years if I'm going to try and stack him and pay that price yeah. for an elite card. Um I think with him, we spoke about before, it can go either ways. I think Insigne will be on set pieces, penalties, everything. But still, he'll open up space for Pozuelo. And I think Pozuelo's back to good fitness now. I think he could still be a good card. But 
his yeah. price was that he I think he went for at one point four or something around there and it still a high end. Um I'm very tempted by I told you picking up a Shakiri super rare just because a little bit of heart too. It's kind of a free roll. He, if he next season, if they improve, if he he's still going to be in and amongst the mix, he's still going to get them 80 scores every now and then. And obviously having him in the team would be a would be a prideful uh prideful thing. But uh yeah, that's basically my strategy. I think I'm gonna try and build out an MLS D3 team that can win rewards for like the next with the next three or four seasons in mind, you know. And that's kind of my strategy now. I gotta I gotta start um start making yeah. them making them decisions. It's an interesting one. I wonder how good the Pasuelo, Insigne, maybe Osorio, maybe Jimenez kind of stack will do. I don't know if that'll maybe that'll be like a meta stack because it'll be expensive for sure. Yeah, I mean, Pozuelo's rare card is, I think it was about 0.3. It's not not too yeah. bad now, especially with the, what ETH's doing. Um, so I might go for that option too. But yeah, that's basically what I'm exploring now for the next time. And and yeah, just because I think that you can build a team that's competitive during the summer and also during the European season. And for a price point that to get the same level of scores, you'd have to spend a lot of money on European cards, I think. So um kind of trying to get a bit of bang for my buck and a bit of ROI in the in the gameplay itself too. So yeah, that's kind of my uh kind of my latest strategy, but I've been known to flip-flop. We'll see. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I I think um as far as as far as where I'm at and what, what I'm doing, it's all World Cup for me. I'm I try to play, you know, ahead of the curve and I try to play a little bit down the road from what everybody else is playing. Um, a lot of the European guys that I picked up for World Cup are obviously playing Nations League right now. And so people have kind of ramped up their prices. Um, so I don't know if I should sell there. I, I kind of don't think I should. I think I should just hold to the World Cup comes. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to start being once European season comes back into play, maybe another month and a half or so, like start of August, end of July. Um, we'll probably start selling off some of that and start looking at some of these MLS guys like Osorio and like Leal that have World Cup utility because their prices will start to drop a little bit, I think. Um, and before World Cup hype in earnest really starts. Um, have you got any um have you got any players that you're really sweating a transfer or a, a certain move for? Uh what kind of a boom or bust situation? Are you more on the culture um, side? I mean, I have a Dabala, but I'm pretty confident wherever he goes, he's going to be a baller. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I haven't gotten too many guys that like I picked up like a Sula who I already knows going to Dortmund, but I don't really. I haven't really picked up too many guys where I'm like, well, this guy, if he transfers somewhere else, he's worthless. You know, um, I try to just take guys that are uh, they're in good you know, good form in their own clubs and probably going to stay there. One guy that I did pick up recently, and I don't know if this is, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert on this stuff, but what I've heard is that the Chinese league is much, much worse quality wise than MLS. And your old, your old boy there, Robert Barrich is now in the Chinese league. So I picked up a, a, a little limited of him. Um, and I mean, he was too good for MLS at times. I mean, last year he did not have a good year. But yeah. at times he was way too good for MLS. 
if he goes to China, maybe he's just an absolute monster. So I picked up one of him just just in case he decides to break out. We'll yeah, see. he could just absolutely bag out there. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know anything about a Chinese league either, but I assume it's not. I assume it's significantly worse than the MLS, so he could be a bit of a... Yeah, but I, I like picking up picking up some of these guys that come from big teams and go to small teams. Um, like I have a nice little Zenit stack going. I've got um, Pharaoh who went from, what, Benfica to some team in Croatia or something and just mm. dominated the second half of the last season. Um, so I'd, I'd definitely look for guys that go from, you know, like Barca to, you know, wherever, some yeah. random league. I think it's a little bit tough. And it's something I've been dealing with lately. It's a little bit tough in the MLS off season to sort of navigate transfer. So I've been trying to find guys going back to my strategy that I know, or I'm assuming they're just going to be in the league for the next few years. So like when you look at Insigne or Shakiri, they've kind of made their big move. They've got their yeah. long contract. And I just assume with pretty good certainty, they're not going back. So I can sort of yeah. model into the next season's a little bit easier where a lot of these mid-tier guys, you don't know whether they're going to get go to some random European team, South America, yeah, you know, into the abyss. Like it's a little bit more risky, like, like a Pozuelo, if he doesn't renew, is he going to stay in the States? Is he going to go to Mexico? I don't know. You know, it's a little bit more dicey. It's something we all have to, yeah. have to navigate. Or even, even like with Leo's account, he's got a bunch of young guys. Like I'm looking at Shaquille Marshall already right now. Like, does he go to Liverpool and just become, yeah, a bench player there, or does he get a, you know, Red Bull or Red Bull Vienna, Red Bull Vienna, Salzburg, it's Red Bull Salzburg? Does he go there and just become an absolute monster for a few years? You know, like transfers are crazy. Transfers can make anything happen. Um, how, does, how does how do how do you like handle that? Because you've got a lot, Leo, of um, of guys kind of in your gallery that are younger that are potentially going to transfer. I mean, Kid Cowell potentially could move any time, you know, if he gets hot, you know, maybe he moves. How do you view that? Are you going to hold through that move? Or are you going to sell into that move? What's your strategy there? Well, you know, young players are always tricky, you know. Mm, you don't know what, what is going to happen with them. For example, I, I don't have it, but if you think about uh, Gara Lonina, for sure, he's a really great goalkeeper. It's younger. He's a bright future in a great team. But if I have to think that he's going to be one starter in Europe, I don't think about it. Yeah. So maybe for him, it's good to stay some years more in MLS. I don't have a strategy at all. It depends from, from the player. If the players if the player can fit uh, in the team that is gonna play, maybe it's something good. Uh, actually, I was watching some. I, I was having a thought about um, Pepe uh, because uh, he's a, a great, um, a, a great player for me. But I don't know if he did the right choice to to come in Europe so early and maybe in the yeah. team. If you if, if you if you were in a team. And you stay in the badge, maybe I don't know if if you did the right choice. Yeah, another guy like that on my team because I actually bought a Pepe and sold him for a nice profit. Um, but another guy like that on my team is Kevin Paredes, who just sat the bench at Wolfsburg the, the last half of this year. 
It's like, well, you could have stayed in MLS for at least one more season. Yeah. And I, yeah. I actually thought he needed to stay in MLS development wise. I didn't think he was ready. Um, but yeah, sitting on the bench term is even worse. Um, so yeah, that's it's an interesting, uh, interesting topic. Any anything else with this one, Nashi? No, um, no, I think that about wraps it all up, doesn't it? I think uh, so, Leonardo. Just what are your kind of things going forward? You're you're doing the social media. You're kind of being a bridge between Italians and the MLS. Do you want to just tell people about that? Tell them about your social media and your kind of goals with the content and stuff like that before we wrap up. Uh, yes, thanks, guy, for um, for the occasion to do it. Uh, my my account is Sorar Italian MLX Expert, and you can find with the at uh, MLX Expertita. And uh, really, you can find uh, a lot of of course not at all because MLS it's really huge league to follow, but you can find a lot of news about it. And it's something that we created, especially because there's there's not so much to find about MLS in Italian. So maybe it's a place in which you can find a lot of news about prediction, transfer market, and news in general. So if you are interested in something that is not in English, you can follow me, people. <laughs> Yep, yeah, you tweet out yeah. everything in Italian and English, which I think is, is yeah. kind of cool too. Of so yeah. um, obviously you can still follow if you only speak English, which most of our population I think does. Um, but yeah, it's it's really great that we have that now Italian um, kind of language translation into, into the MLS and, and you guys do a great job of covering everything and and doing lineups and, and, and all that kind of thing. So definitely a good follow. Everything will be linked in the show notes um, for uh, for everyone to find you. Thanks. So I think that's uh, that's pretty much it for this week. We really appreciate your time coming on here, uh, Leonardo, and uh, you guys have a good rest of your week. All right. Cheers, boys. Take care. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.